Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and dungeon delve, science fiction, watch yourselves. Hey everyone, I'm Ray Otis and it's time for another Plundergrounds. Today we're going to do part two of the Let's Make a Zine series. And I know I have at least one more in me, so uh, this may be an ongoing series. And it helps that some of you have called in with enthusiasm and questions and homework, and we'll address those today as well. After that, I want to give you a little bit more homework, um, maybe help you take another step forward. And then we're going to close with a look around the podcast sphere to see what conversations are going on in the area of role-playing gaming. Ray Otis. Boom! You've done it again, man. I can't believe it. We're all agreed zines are awesome, but that episode, now that is pure awesome right there. Um, oh, Nearly speechless. Someone will get me one time, but no, I have things to say, Ray. Loved that episode, and you would not believe how well-timed it is. It was, I think, Sunday night. Um, I sat there at my computer just asking myself these questions. Oh, should I set this project out at A5 and make sure everything fits and looks nice on the page? Or should I just do like a stream of consciousness, rambling it all down? And, um, mate, you've just answered all my questions. I don't know how I'm going to get on with the homework. Um, we shall see. Laters, man. That's fantastic, Colin. I'm glad to hear you are creating something. I know that, like myself, you are an artist at heart, and you're happiest when you are making something. And even if that's just for yourself, it's a great therapeutic time to be um, committed to a project, to be knee-deep in it and have your mind wool-gathering about it. So I'm excited for you, and I'm glad that you enjoyed that podcast. Thanks so much for all that you do for the community and for inspiring all of us as well. Next up, we have Cody M. calling in with his homework. Hey, Ray, it's Cody. I was um, just calling in with my homework assignment. I know we um, we had had a discussion earlier on the Discord about um, – my ideas for the zine, and so I guess I thought I'd call in and actually complete the assignment. So, here we go. Um, my format is going to be a travel brochure, um, so a single page folded into thirds. Um, my goals is to get four done by this year, um, but I want my first one to be done in time for GaryCon, so I can hand it out to folks while I'm there. And then, here's the pitch. Um, I don't have a name for it, so I'm just going to start out like this. It's a one-page zine that provides locales for your fantasy adventure games in a fun and easy format. It can even be used as a player handout. Kind of cheated, that's like two sentences, but that's what I'm working with right now. Um, I look forward to diving deeper into this and more assignments from you. All right, thanks, man. Take it easy. I could not be more excited about your project, Cody. That is really about the perfect pitch. I especially love the bit at the end where you say it could be used for a player handout because for some reason that had not occurred to me. I'm a little jealous of your idea. I think it's a great idea, Um, this idea of a travel brochure for a land. It's almost like a a very bullet-pointed gazetteer um, or world guide. And I think that's fantastic, especially since it could 
could really divide up the world into meaningful or, or graspable chunks. So instead of having page after page uh, detailing different zones in the world inside of one tome, you can just uh, give them little travel literature for the hexes that matter at any given time. So um, you might start, start them out on a peninsula, for instance, uh, the, the characters, and um, then have like a travel brochure for the kingdom to the north and a travel brochure about the pirate-ridden sea to the south or something. And that, as they expand out from that world, they can add new, um, you, know, you can add new travel brochures. It's just, it's such a great idea. It's really fertile ground. It's easy to do. You're perfectly set up for distributing it physically, which I think is amazing. Um, cause you can shove that trifold into a business sized envelope, slap a single forever stamp on it. Um, keep a list of subscribers that you can print out on labels. I mean, it's perfect. Your distribution should be really easy if you want to go physical. And if you don't want to go physical, if you're distributing electronically, um, people have you know access to printers um, in this day and age where we can all just print this out on a two-sided piece of paper and uh, you know extra copies for the players at the table and take it to the table. I mean, wow, what a what a great idea! And I'm really impressed with your very clear pitch. This is a uh, you get an A plus for this week, Cody. This is exactly what I was talking about in terms of coming up with a scope goals and a pitch that makes sense. You've got a very achievable project in hand. And, um, you know, if you fail to deliver on it, it won't be because you haven't set out in the right direction. It'll probably just be because it either, um, you either lose interest or, or find that you, you know, the coming up with the idea was it it for you. Now, I don't think you're going to fail. I think you're going to do this. And, um, I will probably be behind you with a whip, making sure that you do if you, uh, don't, if you leave it lie too long. So, (laughs) And if you, you know what, if you, if you quit and decide not to do it, I'm going to steal the idea from you and do it myself. Is that motivating? Okay. Well, you better get it done. Ray, Greg Gelder here. I made a supplement for Space Trucker once upon a time. Uh, That episode on zines was exactly the kick in the butt I needed. I've been sitting on an idea for a while for a Dungeon World zine, actually, called the Root Break Epistles. It would be digest-sized, 16 to 32 pages, a lot like Plundergrounds, honestly. Um, I want to publish it on drive-thru or itch.io. That's harder to say than it seems. Uh, Really, at this point, the goal is just to get it out there. If somebody played it and enjoyed it, that'd be enough for me. Uh, The whole pitch would be a location-based adventure starter, provides enough material for three to four sessions of gameplay, and borrows ideas from other indie RPGs. Uh, Any advice you have on breaking the whole zine making process up into smaller chunks i'd appreciate that in another episode i'll talk to you later bye greg how could i forget man um i really appreciate it when somebody makes something in response to one of my games it's it's very flattering and energizing to have that happen so i really dug your supplement to space trucker Uh, space trucker is a game that i need to get back to soon i have an expanded or as i like to call it wide load edition of it that i've got in the works with plenty of art um, by lou quaid and uh, guillaume genti already sitting there waiting to be used so one of these days one of these days As far as breaking up the process goes, I'm going to address that a little bit with today's homework. Um, It's a tough, it's a tough nut to crack because there's a million different ways to break up the process. I actually think in some ways the harder uh, bit here in the beginning is not stopping versus getting started. 
I mean, you've got lots of ideas in your head. You've got some excitement going. It's fairly easy to kind of open up a word processor or text editor and just start dumping in some ideas or opening your journal and, and jotting down lots of ideas, things that you want to say, outlines, that kind of thing. And I'd recommend all of that. That brainstorming is really fun. But what happens when that first rush of energy peters out or you hit a formatting wall or something like that? What do you do? How do you get past that? So um, my advice is really going to be more about not stopping than getting started (laughs) or breaking things up into sections. But I will address that uh, later on with the homework. Thanks for calling in. It's good to hear from you. to return to the zine topic shortly to do kind of a continuation of the last episode about zines, which was very well received. I'm excited because it got a lot of other people excited. I got a lot of people out there that are trying to create a zine now. Um, There's been a couple thoughts that have come up. One of them is this idea of writing outside the shell. The shell I'm referring to is the template for your zine. So imagine you do uh, the shell for your layout first, where you decide how big you're gonna z- your zine's going to be, what kind of margins it's going to have, maybe even what kind of title and subtitle and heading styles and body text styles and all that kind of stuff. You get your look down first, and then you start writing. You can either write inside that shell, inside that template, and mark things as headers and subheaders and titles and body texts and list lists and how lists are going to be handled, all that kind of stuff. Or you can stay outside that shell and work in like a text editor. Now, a text editor is a very freeing place to write. If you've never used one of these, they are basically um, often in appearance much like word processors from the DOS days, the pre-Windows days of computing. They remove distractions by hiding all of the formatting options that can take you down rabbit holes and encourage you to just get your thoughts out, um, to just write. That works for some people, and sometimes it works for me. I don't often do it, though, because I am a, I'm going to call it a recursive writer. I feel like my words come in like the tide, you know, there's a, um, or the surf, there's a a push forward, and then a little bit of a pull back, and then a push forward, and a little bit of a pull back, where I'm revising as I go, but each time my, my beachhead is established a little further in. And I like writing into the shell um, because it tells me when I'm done. So like if I have a topic and I think it's going to be a page long or two pages long or three pages long, um, I'm writing into that shell and I see it develop and I know when I'm done. And when if I only want it to be two pages long, let's say, and I get two and a quarter, then instead of trying to write to a third page, I think, you know what? I've said everything I want to say. Now I'm going to revise it back down to two pages. I'm going to, I'm going to trim the fat and get it back down to two pages. Uh, but other people like to have a, have a very clear thought process and they want to get their thought out and they've already got it outlined in their head. And if you're that kind of person, I would recommend writing in a text editor. And you should at least try it both ways. Try it, try it both ways and see which one works best for you. It's certainly less efficient to write in the shell than it is to write outside the shell, I think, in most cases. But that's an option for you. Another bit of advice I have is about fonts. You are going to get enamored with choosing a font for your zine. It just happens. That's part of the fun of it. You've got a topic. You've got a feel you want to invoke. And so you're going to go try to find a font that matches that feel. Uh, Maybe not everybody falls into this category, but I feel like most of us do. And it's a fun thing to do. And there are all kinds of sites out there where you can find free fonts. I think my favorite one is called Font Squirrel. But what you have to understand about free fonts is... They're great. Um, There's nothing wrong with them. But there are better and worse kinds of fonts to pick up. 
And I think the distinction I want to make here is uh, decorative or title fonts versus your um, heavy lifting body text fonts. If you're looking for a heavy lifting font, one you're going to use all over your zine um, in the body, you want a font family. Make sure that whatever style you choose has italicized text, has bold text, has bold italicized text, has special characters. Um, you know, make sure all those weird symbols at the top of your keyboard are in play and that if you type one of them, you aren't going to get some sort of square place, uh, placeholder that says that font doesn't have that character. And it's great if you can have things like lightweight or heavier weight, you know, versions of the font. You basically, you're looking for a font that has seven, eight, nine different styles to it because that will give you a lot more range of what you can do in the body with that same font without, you know, switching fonts from place to place. You might want a different font for tables, for instance, than you want for, and lists than you want for your typical paragraphs or a different font for GM texts. And you don't really want to go to a literally different font. What you want to do is um, work within the family uh, to, to, to do that more effectively. Okay. So that's what I had to say about body text font. I'm no expert on this, by the way, so maybe somebody who is can call in and, and um, you know clean up my words, but that's just what I've learned from experience. Um, and then as far as title fonts go, you know, you can be a little looser in what you accept with those because they're so stylized that people don't often build them out into families. I happen to like Troika, for instance. So if you look at the Plunderground zine, it's got Troika headings and uh, Allegria Sans in the body text. And that's the only two fonts I use. Uh, restrict yourself to about three fonts and you'll be a lot happier. Uh, don't go crazy. Make sure your decorative font is readable. I mean, it's cool to have good looking font, but if you can't read it, it sucks. Yeah, that's all I have to say about fonts, really. That's a that's a huge topic and we could talk about it for hours, but I'm going to stop there and just say that's some practical advice that you should pay attention to. And don't belabor it. Uh, if you work in a word processor where you are, where you have styles and use styles, I mean, this is important because instead of just changing your font and your point size and everything as you type, um, you want to mark it as a style so that if you decide all your headers look funny, you can change your heading style and everywhere in the document that you have a heading, it changes automatically. So if you decide to choose a different font, for instance, you don't have to go back and select every paragraph and change the font. You can just change your body text style. So that's where that's why styles are important. And, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of Microsoft Word, and it's very difficult to do. I feel like styling is very uh, finicky. Maybe I just don't have enough experience with that. I switched over and started using Mac Pages a long time ago, and I really love it because Mac Pages has sort of everything I want and nothing I don't want in it. It's a very clean word processor to work in. Back in the day, I used to love WordPerfect 4.2, I think it was. It was the last DOS version they made because I loved all the keyboard shortcuts. <laughs> but it wouldn't have been good for layout. Uh, other people like to just type everything and then do their layout, like InDesign and whatnot. But I've gone down a, a total rabbit hole here. I've windowed out into a, a nonsensical ramble. My point was, pick a couple solid fonts, make sure your body text has a full family of styles within that font, and use the styling capabilities of your word processor. Find them, learn them, learn how they operate, because they're going to be your friend as far as creating a zine. As much of a zine as you can get into this kind of habitual mode, the better off you're going to be for creating content. You want things to be 
a fixed pattern. In fact, I think one of the things I almost wish I had done with Plundergrounds is come up with a cover design that is consistent from zine to zine. If you look at the Gong Farmer's Almanac, it always has the same cover with, uh, you know, different subtitling text or whatever. And that saves you a lot of time. <laughs> Maybe it's not as cool as have a different, having a different cover on each zine, but you know, sticking with a standard cover, finding a standard template, um, coming up with your tried and true fonts, picking out your styles for tables, lists, headings, subheadings, all that kind of stuff. Once you get all that established, then writing inside the shell is a lot like writing outside the shell. It's very free. Um, you, you don't really have to think about it. You just start typing. And that's kind of where I'm at with my zine. So I think I've come full circle in my comments here, and I'm going to stop before I make it any muddier. Let's get to the homework for this week. I have a homework assignment that is both very easy and very hard to finish. We're going to try to do a Seinfeld chain. I mentioned at the uh, top of this podcast when I was responding to Greg that it is harder to not stop than it is to get started. The comedian Jerry Seinfeld uh, once shared this technique where whatever it is you're trying to get better at, um, you have to do it on a daily basis. You have to put some time in any time in on a daily basis, whatever time you define for that. It could be 20 minutes, could be 30 minutes, could be a whole hour every day, whatever is reasonable for you. But when you've completed that uh, for the day, you get to put an X in the box on your calendar and your goal is to get as many consecutive X's as you can. So what I'd like for you to do this week is try to get at least five consecutive calendar days where you spend at least 20 minutes doing something related to your zine. I don't care what it is. Um, you could be writing an outline for a single issue. You could be writing notes for multiple issues. You could be brainstorming about a title. You could uh, be working on your pitch, trying to refine that, or just making a list of things that might go into the pages of your zines, or contacting friends to see if they're interested. It really doesn't matter. The point is to be working on it. I find that the surest predictor of getting something finished is working on it. <laughs> Coming about it the quote-unquote right way isn't, uh, I mean, that helps. It helps to have a good process, but uh, it also helps to just put your butt in a chair and get going. I have a writer friend who does scripts for direct-to-DVD horror, uh, horror films, and he calls it the iron butt disease. you got to develop the iron butt disease, which is put it in a chair and uh, sit there while you, you know, and don't let yourself get up until you've completed X number of minutes of work, whatever that is, or X number of pages, or, um, you know, it just takes willpower. And sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes you have to just really push through. But it's like exercise, you know, um, it's, it, when you hit those blocks, they aren't fun, it's painful, but on the other side of that, it, you get a real rush from having pushed through one of those blocks. So um, just make yourself work this week. Just get some stuff down. Next time, by the way, um, in part three of this series, I want to talk about the blessing and curse of collaboration, what it's like to work with other writers and especially work with other artists. Um, it's both very elevating and frustrating at the same time because it brings some management aspects into your zine process. And I want to talk about making too many promises in your drafts. Uh, in short, I often put in things like more text here or more on this later in my first drafts. But uh, when I go back through and push for a full draft, I won't let myself have those excuses. I have to put something down even if it's crappy. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that, about getting past uh, blocks or getting past placeholders and how, when they're useful and when they're not useful. At least I think that's what we're going to talk about. Who knows? I, I change from week to week. <laughs>
<laughs> I think that's all I have to say about zines this week, though. I wanted to have a look around other podcasts and see what's going on out there. Uh, by the way, you may hear some mechanical noises in the background. It is laundry day at my household, so I'm not too far from the washing machine as I record this. Um, so let's talk about a conversation that's been going on about GM expectations. Um, I think it started really with the last episode of Shay's very cool role play rescue podcast. And, um, I shouldn't say last episode because he just started season two. It was the last episode of season one where he confessed to be a bidding, uh, being a bit of a flaky GM. And that's something I think we can all relate to. Uh, so it's a good listen and it's an honest, uh, an honest report. That's something kind of rare, I think, these days, people being honest about their own shortcomings in a, in a very analytical or evaluative kind of way. Um, and then uh, Rob from Down in a Heap did an episode called DM Expectations, followed up by one, I think, called Clarifying the Rant, where he basically just talked about the uneven expectations uh, between GMs and players, meaning players expect a lot of GMs, GMs um, sort of expect not as much from players and maybe there's a little bit of unfairness there and sometimes it can lead to hurt feelings and I, I can totally sympathize I sometimes think of running a role-playing game as like preparing Thanksgiving dinner you know you go to all that work and you set the table and you put all the food out there and um, um, you know the best experience you're gonna get out of it is people come in and chow down and talk about how great it is and then go watch football and take naps while you clean up uh, so <laughs> the worst experience is um, people pick up the food um, because you didn't make the exact dishes that they like. Now, one of the solutions to that is to really study your players and know what kind of dishes they're going to like ahead of time. But maybe I'm stretching the metaphor too far, and I, and I totally get what you're talking about. And then following up on this conversation, uh, Matt Random, who has come back to the podcast world with a really fantastic um, short format, hard-hitting uh, Matt Random podcast. Uh, his second episode follows up on Shay's um, because I started to call it a guilt trip, <laughs> self guilt trip, uh, where he, you know, is saying like, "Hey, buck up, buddy." It's you know, there's um, what do players do in between times, and so that's kind of an interesting take on it, and I think well worth listening to. Um, it's something we should all keep in mind, you know, what we're expecting of each other at the table, and uh, maybe uh, a better way to say that is, what are we bringing to the table ourselves? Instead of putting the focus on other people um, and, and their shortcomings, let's look at our own shortcomings. What what can you do, or what are you not doing? Um, that would make the game better if you if you did before you hit the table. So it's always a good question to ask yourself. Another conversation that's going on out there is about clerics. I think it started really quite a ways back with a podcast from No Save for You about uh, fixing clerics and um, maybe what's great about clerics or clerics in DCC. I can't remember what the exact focus of that was. Uh, and then Down in a Heap uh, did an episode about clerics as heel bots. I believe that's right. And then Swordbreaker um, most recently did an excellent episode talking about clerics and how to quote-unquote fix clerics. Um, I wanted to toss in one thought on that, which is a lot of people complain about uh, clerics being expected to be heal bots. And I understand that because healing isn't necessarily the most exciting thing you can do in a role-playing game. However, keep in mind that thieves are expected to be trap bots, and fighters are expected to be tank bots, and wizards are expected to be spell bots, right? So there's everybody, every um, 
role in the game has certain expectations built around it. So I don't know if it's a failing of a class that you have expectations on you. I think it's a question of how do you make healing fun in the game um, rather than how do you take the focus off of healing. Or at least that's one way to address it. So there's a, there's a thought to follow up on. I don't want to get into another segment here. I just want to highlight that conversation because I think it was really interesting. Two other things I wanted to mention, uh, The Dragons Are Real podcast by Pete Jones just did an episode on zines, and it's quite different from mine. The advice is different. Um, I don't disagree with any of it. It's a different process, maybe, or some different advice or shaded differently than I would give, but it's very important to have different uh, mentors because you may like his advice better than mine. It may fit your lifestyle better, so go have a listen to that. I thought it was well done. And Frothsoft, who does the... Uh, Thought Eater podcast, does a hump day blogorama every Wednesday, which I absolutely love. He just looks at all the things that are going on in blogs and kind of indexes them for you, at least uh, from the viewpoint of things he's interested in or things he thinks are great. Um, And then you can follow his his links uh, from his website out to those places and have a look at them yourself. And that's a really valuable service. And it also is just super cool to have people um, rebroadcasting or amplifying the signal of others. I think that's partly what I'm doing here, I hope, is to get you interested in other podcasts and clue you into other conversations that are going on that you might be interested in. That does it for another Plundergrounds. Thank you for listening. I'm Ray Otis signing off. The opening theme song is by Logan Howard of the excellent Swordbreaker zine and podcast. All of my various projects, blogs, free games, etc. can be found at www.rayotis.com. That's R-A-Y-O-T-U-S. Notably, this week, the Books and Bullets went public, so um, it's available to everyone, not just people on my Patreon. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend, and until next time, look out for Rust Monsters.